0: Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the river Claremont. We've been in a series on Jehovah. We started with Jehovah Shama. The Lord is there. The Lord was in 2021 before we got there. Amen. The Lord is already on 2022, if the earth remains. (laughs) There is some ifs going around right now. You know, there's a whole lot of ifs. But the Lord is there and present. Anywhere God leads you to, he's already gone ahead of you. So you can rest and know that his ways are above your ways, the Bible says. How many people are glad that the Lord's ways are above your ways? We think like this big, he thinks infinitely big. He knows every detail, every motive, everything. So there's a lot going on in this nation right now. We're praying, man, God, move like only you can move. Amen. Amen. Do great things. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Then Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. Who is grateful for peace? That when you are stressed out, when you're trying to make something happen, when you bit off more than you could chew, When your nation looks like it's going down the drain, (laughs) there's peace. Peace is no matter what the storm, our God is okay. He is well. He's with us. We are safe. We are sound. We can trust the Almighty. His hand is upon us. Then we spoke about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. How many people are grateful that God supernaturally provides for you? And not just money, but he can provide money. I was in a a service one time, and a guy wanted to sow seed, and he asked the Lord to give him something to give. He got up, went outside after searching his wallet, everything, went outside to smoke a cigarette, and put his hand in his pocket, and there was money in his pocket, and he came running in to give it in the offering, because the Lord gave him seed to sow. Isn't that awesome? You know, a couple years ago, or several years back, Kirsten's dad, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, uh, had this... The desire to travel in the footsteps of Dr. Livingston. And I don't know if you know who David Livingston was, but he was a famous missionary to Africa that brought the gospel to him. And of course, he died in Africa. His wife died in Africa, but they were first voice. There's actually a city in Zambia called Livingston, Zambia, because that's where Livingston based for a while. While they're on this journey, they're in the African wilderness, literally caravanning across nowhere. And an axle broke on their trailer and they're hundreds of miles away from any type of city, civilization. So the natural thing would be we're going to have to abandon the caravan this this year and we're going to have to travel hundreds of miles and try and find somewhere that we can maybe get apart and travel all the way back and take care of this and so they're like all right, well let's just make camp early. So they're making camp. This axle's broken. They're in the middle of the African Wilderness, and a guy walks through the trees out of nowhere up to them. And he had smelled their campfire. Walks out of bushes. They said, who are you? He's like, oh yeah, you know, I live around here. What's going on? They were like, well, we're preaching the gospel and traveling across, but our caravan broke. He says, what broke? And they showed him the axle. He said, one second. And he walked right back into the bushes. (laughs) Two hours later, he comes back through the bushes with the exact axle that they needed. He says, This ought to fit it. And they were like, Who are you? He's like, I live around here. And then he walked off and took off. I mean, people are grateful that God can make a dude walk out of the bushes with the exact part you need. Like, money can't buy that. You know, so like, that's supernatural. God, if he's got to make a random dude live in the wilderness or an angel show up with a car part. I mean, that I'd encourage some of you guys out there believing for, you know, your car to run. If God can make a vehicle run in the wilderness of Africa, he can make your car run, amen? And uh, another thing about the Lord providing, we got the opportunity to preach in a city. Some of you have heard this in Katra in India. That's a vegetarian city. Uh, these are the things you should research before green to move places. Let me just tell you. That's like a, that's a no God, no, no. Because it's a holy Hindu city, and the Hindu faith believes in vegetarianism, so that's why they eat a lot of lentils and everything, and uh, they make hot milk for breakfast so that your cereal is instantly soggy. These are how we know they're lost. You know, like, they, like, not only do they worship rats and cows, you pour hot milk on your cereal, so you're definitely... Let me, be, let me illuminate to you a better way. It's called refrigeration. You're welcome. And uh, this guy, he answers the call of God to pastor in Katral. So he's telling us his testimony. He came from South India where they eat cows and fish and everything. And he goes to Katral and finds out it's a vegetarian city. And he was a meat eater. And so he's losing his ever-loving mind. (laughs) Within a month, he's so desperate, he jumps on his moped and drives to the closest city that sells meat. Hours away, drives back trying to smuggle in fish. Uh, And it's a holy city. They actually search you like you're going into the airport at the city. We got searched. They go through your bags, everything. And they got dogs, and everything. So he's trying to get into the city with fish because he just so wanted meat. And he was bringing it back to his family. And of course, the dog sniffs out the fish. So they discover the fish. He actually buried it under gospel tracks. (laughs) And there, you know, it's like, you're going to be arrested for this fish. And he breaks down crying. He's like, you don't understand. I, I just really need it meat, you know. And so the guy has grace on him. He says, okay, I'll let you get it in this one time. But after that, if you do it again, you will be prosecuted. So he gets the fish in, and he's crying to the Lord. He's just like, God, I said yes to you, but I can't do this. <laughs> and the next Sunday in his church, he gives an altar call. A man gets saved, and the man was a wealthy um, in, in India, they have the classes, the caste system. He was a, like a, a wealthy caste a person. And he, after he gets saved, comes to the guy and he says, Let me tell you something about how I make my wealth. He's like, Well, wh- what do you do? You know? And he's like, Well, me and my family smuggle chickens <laughs> into Katra. There's a lot of people that really want meat, so we created a black market, and now that I'm saved, Pastor, I wanted to let you know that we will provide chicken to you and your family, and my wife and I can testify, we had some smuggled chicken, that is like the best chicken ever, when you're you're hiding in a hotel room, you're like, having to bury the bones in a backyard somewhere, you're like, this is living, you know? People don't know until they don't have it. The Lord provided for that pastor a black market chicken operator. So when we say Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He will provide. How many people are grateful for that? God will provide. I had a time in my life I had to do something, and I didn't have enough money to do it. And I was kind of stressed. And I said, God, you know, I'd promised to take care of this thing for a person I was going to take their motorcycle back to Nashville just to rent the trailer with several hundred. I didn't have any money. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And this just came in my spirit. Just do what you can with the money that you have. And when it runs out, that's it. So everywhere I went and I was just paying money all day long. I had to buy a new trailer hitch because my truck didn't have a trailer hitch. I spent hundreds of dollars. And at the end of the day, I still had money in my wallet when I began with like $200. It's a mathematic impossibility, much like this current election. I didn't plan on that one, but it set it up. Impossibilities happen all the time, apparently. But it was impossible. And I remember just thanking the Lord. I actually sat on my couch, and I thanked the Lord. I said, man, God, this does not make sense, and I can't figure it out. But I've taken care of everything i was supposed to do, and I still had money in my wallet. Not a lot of money, but I had money in my wallet. And I, and I was thanking the Lord. To grab this. I was just being grateful for the miracle. And the Spirit of God prompted me, get up, go into your, your closet, stick your hands in this pocket of your suit. And I was like, this is the weirdest prompting ever. Like, I'm just thanking the Lord, and I'm like, I need to go look, look put my hand on a suit. Like, so I walk into my closet, and I had this ugly suit. It was the first suit I ever bought. It was olive green, and nothing against, if you have an olive green suit at your house, it actually wasn't olive green. It was actually like gray green. It was like, in the right light, it looked gray. and the other light, it looked green. No matter what you paired with it, it always looked bad. I tried to wear everything and nothing. It was like it was the ugliest suit ever, but it was my first suit because I bought it in this little suit place in Nashville. And I went to that suit of all suits and I put my hand in the pocket and there was a wad of cash. I pull out a massive wad of cash and I'm like, "This is my suit. Like where did this come from?" But I didn't I didn't hang out in that. I was more like, "Praise God," you know? Like the Lord provides, and that was enough money to get me all the way to Nashville. So God is a supernatural God. Trust him. He can supply no matter what. Your axle breaks in the wilderness, he will take care of you. But today I want to talk to you about Jehovah Nissi. Our God is our banner, our flag of victory. Under that flag, we will be victorious. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. God is a supernatural God. Where it's found in the Bible, Exodus 17, verses 9 through 6, I'll read. says that Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner or Jehovah Nisi. For he said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will war with Amalek from generation to generation. The Lord is our banner, our victory. Amen. Amen. A little side story here. Israel didn't go looking for this fight. God delivered them from Egypt and Amalek ambushed them in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. This angered the Lord. Not every fight that you had to fight is your fault. But if something tries to grab you or this end, this world comes against you, God will fight the battle for you. Amen? You don't always have to know how to win. You just have to know who it is that's going to give you the victory. But well, think about how simple this story is. And this is really my wife that pointed this out to me. That they're going into battle. Joshua's going to fight a battle. And Moses' job is to stand on a hilltop and lift his hands to the Lord. What does that look like to you? There's not a flag there. It's not like he had a banner like, left side go, right side go. He's just raising his hands in worship to God. And as he lifted his hands in total surrender to God, they were victorious because it is God who fights the battles. Amen. So it's like we saying today, this is how I fight my battles. How do we get victory in our life? By just lifting our hands to the Lord and staying surrendered to the one that knows all things, is all things, can move all things, can do all things. He's never lost a battle. So stop trying to fight it for him and just lift your hands and say, God, I trust you. Amen. I trust you. I worship you, Lord. And think about this. His arms got heavy. Because there are times in your life that praising the Lord is difficult because you are not seeing your breakthrough. But God didn't say Moses go up there alone. He sent with him Aaron and her because that's what the importance of gathering together is. Is that God sits you in a family where when you feel weak someone else is able to hold your arms up and say you won't stop praising. You won't stop shouting. Your flesh might not want it, but you're going to lift up your voice and you're going to declare God's going to do this thing and you will see the victory. Amen. Amen. It's supernatural, but it's literally found like we do in every single Sunday morning is raise our hands. I remember the first time I raised my hands in church. It took me a long time because the first thing I thought is, what is everybody going to think about me when I raise my hands? How stupid is that? You know, like, who looks at a person raising their hands and thinks really anything? But that's how my mind was. And then I remember the first time I did it, I was like, what's the point? God is everywhere. Why do I have to lift my hands to him, you know? Plus, did I put deodorant on? Things like that matter right now. And I remember lifting my hands, and it felt like I plugged myself into a light socket. And I felt the presence of the Lord. And I thought, forget all the mind telling me not to worship the Lord. I just want to stay like this forever. Worshiping the Lord. And let me tell you something. Right now in our nation, this is a major week. And I've been very outspoken about this. And I understand people don't like it, but we're fighting for a nation right now. And there's plots. There's strategies. There are things at play to destroy freedoms, personal freedoms, which matter. Amen. The day could come where it becomes illegal to gather in the name of the Lord if we don't fight that battle. But you know what? At that day, I'll, still, I'll just still gather in the name of the Lord. I'll, I might get arrested. Hey, but you know what? There's many things in this Bible about dudes that got arrested. So I'm in good company, you know. Hey, I can get arrested. I can worship the Lord in the midnight hour, and I know what happens. There's a shaking that happens. So it's okay. Don't lose your peace. Don't lose your joy. The Lord is good. But there's a lot happening right now and I feel like I've done everything I know to do. I really do. I've spoken out. I've taken heat. I've stood my ground. I've prayed. Who's prayed? I mean, I have prayed. I have cried. I have slapped myself to get myself back into victory before. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've, I've like put my hand over my mouth. You know, I've listened to things. I've, I've, I've shut off social media. I've you know, things like that, that. And I'm like, God, I don't know what else to do. Only you can, can see this nation through. Only you can bring the light and dark places. But I'm telling you, this is not a Republican, Democrat thing. This is people that have strategized wicked things that have gone unchecked are getting away with murder. There's blood on their hands. There's sick things going on and we know it. We're awake and we're like, God, please let this generation see God move in such a way that the fear of the Lord comes back in our young people's hearts, that we see a reprieve that we can, and, and, and our hope is not in a person. It's only in the Lord. It's not in a party. It's only in the Lord. God, you have to do this. And so I feel I want to do this today. I want us to stand with our hands raised. And I just want you, just as Moses lifted his hands and there was victory, let us just praise the Lord. Father, we thank you that nothing, nothing is done without your knowledge that you have seen all things, that you are the righteous judge, that you are the mighty God, that you watch over your people, you watch over your children, you place your hand upon them, your angels are present. There are more with the body of Christ than there are against us, God. We are here as your voice, as your hands, and we choose today to raise our hands in total surrender and say, God, we glorify you. We exalt you. You are our king. You are our savior. You are the one that fights the battles for us. We trust you. We trust you. We rejoice in your presence. We shout God is on our side. The Lord is doing great things once more, once more, once more, God. Shake this nation with the gospel, with power. Shake this nation with mighty signs and wonders. Shake this land. Do what only you can do, God. We well, thank you. Thank, come on, just worship him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, mama, mama, la salalala, mama, Nothing is impossible for you, God. Nothing is impossible for you, God. Nothing is even difficult for you, God. You don't stress. You don't sweat. You don't strain. Everything is simple for you. At your word, mountains tremble, God. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you. And we declare America is not Sodom and Gomorrah. America is Nineveh. Her heart will turn back to you, God. What the enemy has laid up for our destruction. Father, our hearts are yielded to you. We're on our faces before you and say, we trust you, God. And say, this generation will see the move of the Spirit of God. This generation will hear the angels sing. This generation will see the power displayed. This generation will see miracles astound us. This generation will see the hand of the Lord. will expose the darkness in the land. This generation will see the mighty, mighty move of the heaven." Jesus! 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 Woo! Ha! You're not finished with this land. You wouldn't have us be expanding this building. You wouldn't be sending missionaries out if this thing was over. This thing ain't over. This thing ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. You're prepped up. You're positioning your people. You're taking territory, God you're taking territory God you're taking territory God Jesus I speak it out I call a new breed of politician in we're sick and tired of the bought out sold out people on both side of the aisle we call the God fearing the Holy Ghost filled the Bible toting the devil stomping politicians to arise We call this land back to righteousness. We call it back to righteousness. We declare the Supreme Court is not the Supreme Court of the land. The Court of the land is the courts of heaven. And you will have the Word, God. We exalt your Word. We exalt your Word. thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We don't look to the skirmishes before us. We look to the strategy of heaven. And God, you are not backing up. You are not in retreat. You're positioning people. You're sending them out. You're ushering in a new movement. You're purifying hearts. You're getting rid of defilement. You're calling your bride to holiness. You're breaking off sin. You're breaking off iniquity. You're breaking off addictions. You're purifying the bride. She is arising. She is arising. And she will not back down because she has found a love that is greater than any love. She has found a love in Christ. and We thank you for that love. We thank you for a move. The move of heaven. We are of that nation. We are of that tribe. We belong to the Most High. We gather under His flag. Jehovah Nisei is our banner. He is our victor. He is the one that we gather for. We thank you for it, Jesus. Jesus. Woo! Jesus. Father, we thank you for it, too. We thank you. Though we don't have every solution, we can keep our eyes on you. And today we say yes. And tomorrow we'll say yes. And the next day we'll say yes. Yes. And the next day we'll say yes. And we will keep saying yes because we have found you, God. And we will run our race for the one that we are running it for to hear well done. and Jesus, we just rejoice. Thank you that you are one epic God. Give him a shout of praise. How many people are glad that Jesus is not a coward? Jesus was not a coward. He never shied away. You can have a seat. I'm going to go a different route this morning. But the first Thessalonians 524 says that God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Come on. There's been much prophetic words spoken. But beyond that, what do you feel in your spirit? Do you feel defeated in your spirit? I mean you wrestle with that and you're like, "Well, why would you position us for expansion? Why would you continue to breathe upon the bride? Why would you be ushering in a new move of missionaries that are that are spreading from this nation to the nations of the world? Because it's almost over with?" No, because we're at the beginning of the greatest takeover that this world has ever seen. That's why I tell you what, I feel it in my bones. We ain't defeated. We're not empty, we're not drained, we're just beginning. This is the start of the race, and we have ample supply. Checks falling out of my Bible. Praise God. More, Jesus. I wanted to read this to you. Uh, Coupling in, we're talking about Jehovah Nisi, our our victory. The Lord is our victory. You can read time and time again in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, when things look pretty bleak. There's a lot of stories where things look like this is it. And I want you to understand, um, maybe it's basically basing this on like a sales mentality, that in the sales world, people say, define a win. You know, what is a win for the body of Christ right now? (laughs) What would be a win? And, you know, everybody in here has a different idea of that win. Some people are like, this lady's in jail. That dude's in jail. This one, you can either throw him in jail or you can just remove him, God. We all have an idea of a win, but what's a win and what matters in the kingdom of God? When Jesus stepped into the scene, Jesus was already the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he walked in upright faithfulness to the Father to complete the task that was set before him. And he won. He won the victory. But he didn't tackle things that other people thought needed to happen. So I want to go a different route than I went in the 9 o'clock this morning and talk about heaven's definition of a win. Because that's the plan that matters. Amen? And he's saying what do you think is going to happen in this nation? I believe that God is going to roar one more time in this nation. That's what I believe. I don't I don't think anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm a total peace. We're about to see some incredible things. Amen? But... When Jesus fed 5,000 people, it's an absolute unbelievable miracle. We had the opportunity to go to Israel, and we stood on that mountain or that side of the mountain where Jesus had the thousands gathered, and he fed them right with the Sea of Galilee behind him. And I remember just looking there and just thinking of a mass crusade, because I'd been in a mass crusade, and I thought, man, that's incredible. That's a mass crusade. 15,000 people were here. Jesus didn't have... A sound system or a stage he didn't have an amplification device he literally just stood there with a massive crowd of people fed them all preached the kingdom of God to them, and people were saved that day it's incredible to think that what we all think we need heaven doesn't actually need we just think we need these things but God's like and I on that mountainside the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said Caleb I've never needed lights stages or even an army all I've ever needed is one person surrendered to my call that's enough to get the job done so if you're one person in this room and you surrendered to the plan of God guess what that's enough to turn a nation around yeah. Elijah took a stand Elijah the prophet of God took a stand and he first of all was obedient to pray that there would be a, 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 no rain for three and a half years which led to famine everybody was in famine Righteous people, unrighteous people were in famine. The difference was the righteous people had supernatural provision that God would miraculously make a little bit of cornmeal last the whole time where the unrighteous were literally on their knees starving on the streets. And people say that, that's terrible. It is. But understand this. Sometimes bad things happen to turn people's hearts. And as a child of God, you don't look to the world as your source anyways. And he stood on one day after three and a half years where people had wandered from the Lord. And he called fire down from heaven. And it says that that day, the heart of the nation was turned back to God. I am praying that this generation will see the hearts of people turned back to God. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. What's a win for the kingdom of God? After miraculously feeding everybody that day, the Bible lays out in verse 22 of Matthew 14. It says, immediately. Say immediately. 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 So they feed 15,000 people. It's incredible. And the Bible says, immediately. So they literally walk from a mass crusade. And Jesus looks to his people and says, get on that boat and go to the other side. And then he went up on the mountaintop to rest. When they got on the boat and they began to go across the Sea of Galilee, a great storm arose. It was so bad that it looked like they were going to go under and they were going to sink. I was on that sea, and all I can think is that one person said, man, if if the Lord calls you to go on the Sea of Galilee, every time in the Bible they went on that sea, there was a storm. (laughs) So just be like, praise God. Okay, here we go. But immediately the Bible says, now Jesus went up on the mountaintop and he prayed. But when the night fell, the storm arose. It says that, that verse 24, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And around 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Come on. And when Peter called to him, he said, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Incredible miracle that in the midst of a storm, rest easy because God still got your, you, your back. Amen? No matter what happens this week and the weeks to come, the months to come, you do not lose your peace. You do not go flipping out. You don't sell your shares in Facebook. You just ask yourself, why did you buy them? You have a calmness because you know that even in storms, Jesus is still the king. Come on, every, everything that is sought to take you out will never take you out because as long as you're following the Lord, you're obedient to go where he tells you to go, everything's going to work out good. But this was not about walking on water. Jesus didn't call him to go on the boat just so he could show him that he can take care of him in a storm. The storm was totally insignificant. The storm was not a part of the plan of God. It was just a storm that arose. And in the storm, the reason why Jesus looked at them after 15,000 just saw a miracle turned their hearts to the Lord. and He said, immediately get in the boat and go to the other side. Is because Jesus' mission has always been go reach another person. On the other side of the lake, there are people that haven't heard. On the other side of the lake, there are people that are hurting. On the other side of the lake, there are people that have heard about Jesus but have not yet met him. So he looked at his disciples and says, you get there, you get to the other side. See, Jesus said, you have little faith, not because he couldn't walk on water. He said, you have little faith because you forgot that you are walking in obedience to what I told you to do. And if I tell you to reach that land, know this, a storm can arise, but it cannot take you out. It cannot take you out. If you've got to walk, if the ship's got to sink and you walk underwater breathing in the water, whatever it takes, God says, if I tell you to go to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. And the reason was is that the moment they landed on the other side, a great crowd of people surrounded them because they'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard about miracles. And the Bible says that they thronged around Jesus. And as many as touched the hem of his garment, they were made whole. So what's a win for the kingdom of God? that one party wins or that this does a win for the kingdom of God is that the bride moves in supernatural power and authority and looks at everything in this world and says, you can huff, you can puff, you can strategize, but we are moving with the words of the Lord Almighty and we will get to the other side. And when we get there, Jesus will move in that side just as he did this side. I feel like we're in a crossover generation. That we're at a time in this church or this nation when great men of God have gone before us and there have been mighty revivals that shook this land. America was founded on revival. If you don't know that, study it out. People didn't come over just because they were upset with the king. They came over because they were on fire for the Lord. And they weren't going to let a government tell them how they could worship Jesus. That's the truth. I'm sticking to it. And after that, the nation began to get greedy And then God brought another move of God that shook this land one more time. And I feel like this generation has a decision to make. And this is not a decision that the world will make for you. This is a decision that the bride of Christ has got to make right now. And say, are we going to keep our eyes on the one that called us? Are we going to keep moving forward? Are we going to see a move of God that will shake this nation? Or are we going to tuck tail and run? Let me tell you, we ain't running unless he says run to the other side. Amen? Amen. So public announcement, a PSA to all the forces of hell, to every strategy from dark, you will come to nothing. Your strategies will fail. The bride of Christ is moving. The glory of God is upon this generation and the church will arise and we will see a move of God that will shake this nation, shake the schools, shake the politician houses, shake every business, shake everywhere, every bank. We are seeing it shaking and we are not afraid because we know the one that has called us to the other side. Come on, somebody. Things are being set up right now. There's being set up right now there's a tension in this nation right now and there's this driving desire for people to figure out what is going on it's driving the hearts of people i can't figure out what this is what is this about what's happening here there's so many conspiracy theories right now my god you could spend an entire year of your life and afterwards you'd have 18 billion things and i believe it's the enemy That has even sowed many of those in to bring doubt into this generation. To cover up the schemes of hell. But how many people realize that you are filled with the Spirit of God? That your eyes are not closed. And even if you know in part and prophesy in part, that part is enough to get you to the other side. Are you with me this morning? God is not through with this nation. And I'll tell you why I know. Because of you standing here right now. In the midst of lockdowns and everything that has happened, this church rapidly grew. When things are tough and people aren't working, somehow or another, we begin to double in financial intake. Why? Because God is not asleep. Because God is not quitting. Because God is not over. Because God has not abandoned his people. Amen. Some of you have been around the virus 18 times and you never got sick because God is your inoculation. Psalm 91 is not a poem to you. It's the reality of your life. A 1,000 can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But it will not come near you. And people are looking back, what's going to happen in this nation? Let me tell you what's going to happen in this nation. The Bible says only with your eye will you see the reward of the wicked. So we might watch it, but it ain't touching us. It ain't coming near our home. Because we're getting to the other side. Because on the other side, there's a group of people that are saying, we've heard about Jesus. We've heard whispers of the bride. We've heard people talk about his power, but we've never felt his presence. We've heard people talk about his joy, but we're still depressed. And you're going to show up on the scene. And you're going to break off every shackle, every doubt, every bit of darkness. And they're going to walk away from you saying, something just happened on the inside of me. Why? Because we don't operate like this world operates. We don't need mainstream media on our side. Come on. You can pump out all the lies you want. Every lie will come to nothing because the truth will set people free. Come on. We, we don't even need a massive army of people. Are you with me right now? Say, how many does it take for God to shake the nation? It took 12. 12 people. Do we have more than 12 here right now? On the day of Pentecost, it was 120 that turned the world upside down, the Bible says. We have more than 120 in this service. So let me tell you what's going to happen. We're about to see things that the world has put their faith into. Their strategies are going to just continue to shake and continue to shake. Because the Bible says, once more, I will shake heaven and earth, says the Lord. Shake away. Because you stand on a foundation that is unshakable. His name is Jesus Christ. What do I believe this nation needs? This nation needs a revival. It needs men's hearts turned back to God. People are full of hate. People are full of distrust. People are being triggered by everything that can trigger them. And so their joy is dependent upon if the last thing that they read. Then let the last thing you read be the word of God. And let your faith rest in Jesus Christ and know that God is Jehovah Nisi, your banner and your victory. The flag still flies above the body of Christ today. What does a flag do? Well, one, it identifies you. If you look at the Olympics, when a person wins and they, they win the gold medal, they wrap the flag of their nation around their shoulders so that everybody knows they belong to that nation. Your identity is not found in anything in this world. Your identity is found in the kingdom of God. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're ambassadors of Christ Jesus. First and foremost, I'm a son of God. Then I'm a citizen of America. Are you with me this morning? People say, what are you saying? You think America will fall? I really don't think America's going to fall. And I think that, number one, anything built on a lie doesn't really have that much power. So rest in that right now. But I do believe this. I believe that the body of Christ has got to learn how to walk with the Spirit of God on the inside and stop being triggered by the world. The enemy loves to push your buttons, and then you go on that tantrum, and then your joy is stolen, and you've lost your ever-loving mind. I mean, look at the body of Christ right now. They prophesy one thing, then the next day they prophesy another thing, then the next thing, another thing. They just need to just stop and get in the secret place. And just let the Lord minister to them. Stop going up and down with this thing and don't let things trigger you all the time. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. Your life is hidden in Christ, the Bible says. So the enemy can't find you in the presence of the Almighty. Are you with me so far? God is good. God is good. Things are happening. It's exciting. Get ready, America, because you're about to see some extraordinary things take off in this nation. It might not be what we think in our mind it needs to be. It might look different, but it's going to be good. You think about Elijah when he called a nation back, but Jezebel still existed. The Bible says that God spoke to Elijah in a cave well away from everybody and said, anoint Jehu to be king. So he anointed Jehu to be king. Jehu rides into Jezreel where Jezebel's sitting. There's a lot of J's there. It's a miracle that I actually said that correctly. (laughs) And he rides into Jezreel, and Jezebel hangs out the window. It says she actually put makeup on to seduce this man and called down at him. And he looks up, there's this woman hanging out of a window that Elijah was terrified about, that she was going to take the head of Elijah, and she vowed that she would chop the prophet's head off. Jehu looks up, and he says, who's on my side? The Bible says two to three eunuchs, sorry, not not eunuchs eunuchs hung out the window and said we're on your side he said throw her down this is in the bible people are like what would jesus do i you know there's a lot that he has done i'm just going to tell you right now when we say he's a warrior he's a warrior all right and so imagine jezebel hey wait wait, let's talk about this let's talk (laughs) and it gets even more gruesome than that but we'll stop right there So the greatest enemy of the man of God on the land that he was terrified about, all he had to do was get into a cave and get the strategy of heaven. Come on, somebody. That'll preach. What are you going to do? What are we supposed to do? Get the mind of God, not the mind of this world, not the mind of Facebook, not the mind of Twitter, the mind of the Lord. God is not nervous. God is not full of fear. God is moving, and I'm just like, God, give me a part. Who's with me? Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll prophesy, I'll go on, I'll do whatever you want. I'm following after you, Jesus. And the biggest problem will be tossed down in front of you, and you'll see the vindication of God. Think about Goliath that mocked the people of God. Sat out there mocking and mocking, and everybody was afraid until one person that was not in the crowd of people that had been in the wilderness, just in the field, with just the presence of the Lord showed up on the scene and he instantly saw what was happening right now this nation's being led through through triggers it's it's sick how this world is being manipulated based upon picking a side when both sides are corrupt it's very hard to pick a side you with me right now it's like which which naughty brat child do you want to support right now none of them i want to spank both of them can i get an amen I want to see righteousness. I'm sick and tired of the squabbling. We we get two people to choose for the president of America. When both of them don't really look good, sometimes it's really hard to choose one. We need revival. We need an upheaval. We need this nation shaken. We need righteousness back. We need the fear of the Lord in the land. Charles Finney was preaching in Washington, D.C., and the president of the United States at that time, I don't remember who it was, showed up at the meeting as Finney was praying in the back room. And as he's praying, they came and said, the president is here to listen to you preach tonight. He would like to meet with you. And Finney said, not right now. I'm meeting with the Lord. And they came a second time. The president is requiring to meet with you before you preach. He says, no, we can talk afterwards. Right now, I'm Letting the Lord minister to me before I go out and speak. And he went out that day and he actually rebuked the United States president, saying, You need to get this nation back in line with the word of God and let the fear of God shake this land. That's how we had a great awakening in America. Because preachers had a backbone. Imagine that. Shakada ba. It's like I used to tell people I'm radical. I'm like, I'm a radical believer. One time the Holy Spirit rebuked me. He said, shut up. You're not radical, you're normal in my eyes. But fears grip this nation. Fears grip this land. People are afraid to stand up for anything right now because they feel like they've been manipulated or fed a lie to or things that they put their hope in has dwindled down to nothing. Let me tell you, you can always put your hope in the Word of God and you can stand upon this Word because this foundation is unquestionable at all times. A flag identifies who you belong to. You belong to the Lord. Amen. Yes. Secondly, a flag establishes dominion. When you go out on the, on, on the ocean, take a cruise ship, you look up, there's always a flag on every ship that is on the water because that flag tells you what sovereign nation that ship operates under. So when an American flag is on a ship, even if it is in the port of Japan, Tokyo, Japan, when you step foot on that ship, you are walking onto U.S. sovereign territory. A flag establishes dominion. We are not gathered here today under the United States banner. We are gathered under the name of Jesus Christ. Jehovah Denise, our banner. That is the dominion that we walk in. Come on. And that matters, because in order to turn a nation back, you've got to have greater power than that nation has. And we have that in the name of Jesus Christ. What banner are we under, the name of the Lord? Everywhere the sole of our foot treads, the Bible says, the Lord will give it unto us. When we show up on the property, God shows up with us there. we were walking in D.C., Joe looks at me and says, Caleb, where is God? I was like, well, he's in me. And he's like, okay, because I was talking about where's the, you know, where's the Lord of the nation? So he kind of gave me a little rebuke. Praise God for Joe. Where is the Lord? I said, he's in me, Joe. Duh. And he says, and where are you? I said, I'm in Washington, D.C. The Lord is in D.C. Are you with me right now? Come on. Sometimes it takes something simple, and you're like, bing, light bulb. So when I showed up in D.C., was that the first time God showed up in D.C.? You mean to tell me that God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the reverent one, the mighty, miracle-working, operating God in this generation doesn't have someone standing in D.C. He doesn't have someone standing in Orlando, standing in L.A., standing in New York City. God has got people everywhere. It's the largest army that's ever been on the face of the earth. It's the bride of Christ. And at the beckoning trumpet call, you're going to see how big that army is. As we all say, yes, Lord, and shoot up in the sky. On that day, that'll be great. Until that day, We're gathered under the banner of the Lord. He is our victory. So we can rest and know we carry dominion. Everywhere you stand, God stands with you. Darkness has to flee. Sickness has to go. Come on. Wickedness actually manifests. According to the word of God, everywhere Jesus would stand, demons would cry out. Why? Because he had authority over them. And so they couldn't contain themselves. They couldn't remain hidden. They had to expose themselves. We're praying that in this nation right now, that things that have been done in the dark will be exposed. Are you with me so far? Secondly, a flag unites. We're united under the flag, the banner of Christ Jesus our Lord. We're united. Think about the diversity that God has in the kingdom of heaven. Think about how God assembles an army of people from all different tribes, every different tongue, and yet we will give our lives for Jesus. There's nothing more powerful than the body of Christ, because you can't stop us. Amen? And if we're moving, and I mean, it's just exciting to think, you know, that you are literally protected by the angels of God, that that. That hell can strategize against you, but if you're walking in obedience to God, the storm can't arise. It is a storm that would capsize a ship, but it will not capsize your ship. Maybe every other ship around you goes down, but somehow or another, your ship is getting to the other side. Amen. The next time they got on a boat, another storm arose, and the Bible says they immediately, as soon as Jesus rebuked it, the Bible says immediately they were on the other side. So they're in the storm. Jesus was napping. Then he gets up, rebukes it, and immediately they were on the other side. So not only did the storm go away, but they were actually translated, boom, to the other side. I think that would be cool. I don't know about you, but I've always asked the Lord, you know, tomorrow's Monday. If there's a way that I could wake up in Honolulu. These are the things I tell the Lord. I mean, it's in the Bible. Are you with me right now? It's like, I'm just saying, God, you know, it'd be really cool if I would just step out the door and I'm on Waikiki. I met a preacher in South Africa. He said, uh, the Lord, he had, he had a conference going on in South Africa. And the Lord spoke to him to preach in the Ukraine. And he thought, well, how am I going to get to the Ukraine? And he gets a phone call from a, a man in the Ukraine and says, the Lord has laid it upon my heart. You're supposed to minister at our conference. He says, okay, when is it? He says, it's this Sunday. And he's like, There's, I can't get there. It's impossible. And the Spirit of the Lord says, just tell him you'll be there. She so said, okay, I'll be there. And he's like, God, I, there's no way I can go there. And he's like, literally like, has a peace though. But he's like, God, this doesn't make any sense. I don't, I'm not, you're going to make me a liar. He preaches in South Africa, walks off the stage to the back door, opens the door. And it's a stage in the Ukraine that he steps onto and he preached. This guy is alive on the earth right now. He said, that's impossible. That's the God that we serve. You need to realize this. These are not just fairy tales in a Bible. This is the blueprint of how God moves through his body. That if it takes a supernatural translation, God will translate you. I drove a, tr- a boat right into the solid concrete wall of a dam and saw my life flash before my eyes. The next thing I knew, I was supernaturally transported from that damn wall. 200 yards away. Sometimes the Lord makes it fun for me. And I was miraculously okay. Why? Because that is who God is. He is supernatural. Do not lose your joy. Do not lose your hope. God is moving across this nation still today. Amen? You believe it? Shout amen. Amen. Lastly, a flag testifies. And that brings me back to to what Jesus brought his disciples. A great miracle. Things are happening. Immediately get on the boat and go to the other side. Because it is always about going and getting one more. One more. Just one more. Get the revelation that souls is the currency of heaven. Everything else in this world is temporal. Temporal. But the souls of men and women is the only eternal thing that you will encounter on this earth. What you do matters. Are you sharing the love of God with people? Are you leading people to the Lord? And know this, as you share the gospel, sometimes you will be rejected. Anybody in here ever tried to share the gospel and it got thrown in your face? They didn't reject you. They rejected Christ. Because you can't sit there and say, I saved all of these people you weren't the one that walked upright, perfectly, followed everything the Father said, and died on the cross without sin in your life. You're the one that is on your knees saying, God, take my sin-filled life, wash it, and give me a brand new life. And he did that. So the gospel is just that message. Christ loves you so much that he made a way where there was no way. You want to talk about the kingdom of God? It is built upon the understanding that everything that was impossible has been made possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. Preach it, share it, pray with one another person and another person. This nation needs a revival. When I stood in Washington, D.C., and I realized people are triggered, people are angry, this world is lost. And the only thing that will turn this nation around is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the strongest utterance that any voice could declare. And if you speak it out, demons flee. Demons flee hearts are changed. People are saved. Eternity is birthed in them, and destinies are revealed, all in the simple utterance of the gospel that Jesus loves you. And there's a plan for your life. And no matter what hell you've been through, that is not the hell that God authored for your life. He has a better life in store for you. I believe that we're standing on a time, and I've said this before, that i I felt that the end time move of God would be based on the local church. For too many years, the church has relied upon evangelists and people with traveling ministries and things like that to shake nations. But I believe the Lord is looking to the church, those in the local area saying, will you let me empower you to reach this community? The church is God's plan A for this world. We are an embassy of heaven. That when you walk through these doors under the Jehovah Nisi our flag, you're walking on sovereign territory of heaven. Where forgiveness is available to everyone. Where healing flows. Where deliverance happens. Where miracles are not abstract, odd, radical, or weird. Miracles are what our God does. We believe it. We stand for it. We have been called that we're Jesus freaks. Come on. We've been picked on. We've been made fun of. We have been said everything under the sun about us. But at the end of the day, we don't care. Not because we're arrogant, but because we have found a love that is so good. We don't care what the world says anymore. You huff, you puff. He breathed. And it was good. He's my salvation. He's my deliverer. Jehovah Nisi fights the battles. And I declare that victory will follow you and your children and your children's children as long as the Lord tarries in coming. Amen? You believe it? Say amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.